Hey everybody, welcome to episode number one of Let's Quartet. Thank you for listening. Today we're going to be talking about one of the things that I think is the most important when it comes to rehearsals and really when it comes to performance because it's just laying a foundation. And it's not very exciting. It's just setting goals. It's not complicated, but it does take a little bit of thought. But I do promise that it will set you up for success. If you can take a little time to think about where you are and where you want to be and how you're going to get there, then it can make all the difference when it comes time to perform. When we step on stage, all of us want to feel comfortable and at ease and able to produce musically whatever we want to. But if we haven't already put in place the practical building blocks that have allowed us the space to do that, then it can be really difficult to be totally undistracted. You know, if we're worried about fingerings or bowings or entrances or whether we're going to be taking the repeat or what our sound is like out in the audience or what it actually feels like to play through an entire quartet. If we have those questions when we're on stage for our performance, then it's very difficult to get into the music. And I know this personally because there's been a lot of times where I step on stage and my quartet or even my solo stuff, and I haven't played it exactly as I'm going to play it ever before on stage and not ever before an audience. And that is a really scary feeling. So today, my goal is to give you all the tools that you need and a framework that you can work off of so that when you are getting ready for your next performance or audition or competition, you can create a very, very solid plan for yourself so that you know when it comes time to step on stage, you can be comfortable. A few days ago, I was in a conversation with my quartet and we were talking about kind of our different personalities and how we all work together. And the first violinist, Hijan, mentioned that for her, it's really important to have things worked out physically with her instrument so that she can be free musically. And I thought that was really great because I'd never really thought about that before. But if you step on stage and you're worried how things actually feel and the fingerings and the bowings, and it's hard to concentrate musically. And so what we're doing here with setting goals is we are taking the guesswork of how you're going to learn the music and in what order you're going to learn the music and how much time everything takes so that when you get to the performance, you know that you've done the best you can to touch everything, to work on everything, and to trial everything so that you can know as close as possible what the end product will be when you step on stage. I'm going to go through a lot of information really quickly. And so if you would like to follow along on a worksheet that I created, you can even print it off and pass it out to your group, fill out yourself, or pass it out to your students. You can go to the show notes and click where it says click here, and that will take you to a website where you can download it there. Okay, so we're going to talk about this in a couple different ways. We're going to talk about what I call grand goals and bland goals. And then I'm going to talk about how you should plan a 12-week preparation period. So this is pretty standard. You have three months to learn something. And our case study is going to be a full string quartet that's four movements long, and you have three months to learn it. So I'm going to talk about how I would do that personally if I was getting ready for a performance three months away. And then at the end, I'm going to talk about how my quartet has been preparing for this competition that we have coming up. We have a lot of quartets to learn. We have eight quartets to learn. So we have to make sure that when we step on stage at the competition, we have already played it through a few times on a stage for an audience so that we can be as comfortable as possible. So that is the plan for today. So let's dive right in. I like to talk about grand goals and bland goals. I like to think about grand goals as long-term goals. They are three or six or maybe even nine months out. They are long-term goals. 
it's usually a hard deadline. So it could be a concert, it could be an audition, a competition. And if you're in a group and you don't have a performance coming up, I really encourage you to make one up. These are actually some of my favorite when um, if I have to get ready for something and I want to play through something ahead of time, then I just organize a house concert. And people love being invited to house concerts because it's a really intimate experience and it's fun to play for your friends. It's actually, for me, it's even more nerve wracking. And so there's that great extra pressure to be able to try to relax through. And then it's a great time to just kind of hang out. You get to talk about the music and it's much more personal. So if you don't have a concert coming up, then go ahead and make up a concert for yourself. People over and play for them. Bland goals are small and immediately achievable. And sometimes they don't even feel like goals. Sometimes it just feels like a to-do list. They're not very fun. They're not exciting, but they are the stepping stones that will get you to your grand goals. Bland goals usually look something like, what are we gonna do in rehearsal? What are we going to accomplish in this rehearsal, this particular rehearsal? What are we bringing to our coaching next week? Or maybe what do we wanna learn in the next few weeks? So those are short, very specific. So now let's talk about our case study. So for this example, we have three months to learn a quartet, a four movement quartet. And it could be any piece, but this is just the example I'm using. And so let's say you have a performance in June. And so we have all of March and April and May for the performance in June. And when we're thinking about the grand goal, that the concert is a grand goal, there's two parts to it. There is the very specific hard deadline of having the concert in June, let's say on June 10th. And then there is the emotional goal. And that is how you want to show up on stage and how you want to feel and what you want to accomplish. Because just playing the concert is one part of it and being able to get through the music. But another part of it that is maybe more important or equally as important is how do you want to feel when you're on stage? And that is why we are doing all this preparation because you could do you know any type of rehearsals, you could hack your way through a quartet and you could show up on stage and you could probably get through it but it may not be very rewarding. So the reason that we put all these little goals in place, the bland goals and make this plan is so that we can show up and have a positive emotional response. Okay, and that sounds maybe very clinical, but it's very practical. And so what we're gonna do is we're going to get all the practical mundane things out of the way so that when we're on stage, we can just enjoy the music, okay? Now, this is difficult for me because this is not my tendency. Naturally, this may be hard to believe, but I tend to be more of a kind of loosey-goosey type guy and go with the flow and we'll make things work a little bit more optimistic. But I've learned that if I don't plan ahead of time, things don't get done. And when things don't get done, I show up on stage less prepared than I would like to be and things are not comfortable and it doesn't end up being enjoyable. And there are other people who are really good at this and they naturally set goals and deadlines for themselves so that they show up on stage and are much more comfortable. So this is a great way for those of us who have a harder time with setting goals to do that so that when we step on stage, we can be really comfortable and we can perform how we want to perform. That is the goal. The point of doing all this isn't just to have a nice checklist of a lot of different things. It is so that we can really accomplish what we want to do musically and so that we can be free to connect with the audience. 
Okay, so when we're thinking about the grand goals, we have the specific concert on June 10th, and we have how we want to feel. And if you're looking at the worksheet, there's a spot where you can fill out how do you want to feel? What do you want to be thinking about? What do you emotionally, what, what is going on in your head and in your heart? And how are you connecting to the audience? When I think about scheduling and when I think about planning out 12 weeks, three months, I reverse engineer it. So the concert is on June 10th and one to two days before the performance, what I want to be doing with my group is only tightening up wobbly sections, maybe working on a little ensemble, a little tuning, maybe tweaking some musical things, but not making any major decisions. And that day or two before the concert, it's ideal to run through the piece exactly as you will do it in the performance and include all the page turns, all the repeats, and make it as much like the performance as you possibly can. Even better, if you can perform in the space that you're going to be performing for the concert, that is even better. You want to get as close to the real performance as possible. And this will give you a really good feeling for how things will actually go in the concert. Once we have an idea of what the grand goal is and emotionally how we want to feel, when we perform, we know that a day or two before the performance, we want to be doing just some minor fixing and we want to run through the piece exactly as it will be. Then we skip all the way to week one. Okay, so this is at the very beginning. We just got our music and we're about to learn the music. So. The very first week, you should read through the entire work with your group. And this is very important because I've been in situations where we didn't do this and we had to learn a whole piece and we got stuck rehearsing on the first couple of movements. And then before you know it, the concert is right around the corner and we haven't really worked on the other movements because we just ended up spending all the time early on for the first movement. So don't do that. Read through the whole work. And this way you get a really good idea of what movements will need the most work. So that's the first week. Then you have weeks two through nine. You have those eight weeks. If it's a four movement work, then you basically have two movements per work. You know, typically when I was in college and even still today, if I think, okay, I have three months to prepare a work. Well, that seems like a lot of time. Honestly, I, I feel like, well, we can just kind of take our time and learn this thing, no problem. But then when you take out the first week for reading, and then you take out the last couple weeks for recording and uh, just tightening up things and doing some run-throughs, then you only have eight weeks left. And then you think, okay, four movements, you only have two weeks per movement. And if you're rehearsing only once a week, then you only have two rehearsals per, per movement. So it's really not a lot of time. So we have to be very, very focused. And all of this comes down to the fact that rehearsals are valuable. We don't want to waste our time in rehearsal. We want to be as efficient as possible. And we want the rehearsals to be as effective as possible. We want to retain as much as we can in rehearsal so we don't end up working on the same things over and over again. So in week one, you've read the whole piece. Weeks two through nine, for those eight weeks, you're going to be making all the musical decisions. You're going to figure out the tempos. You're going to figure out ensemble stuff. You're going to decide articulations, dynamics, to work on tuning, all the things that we think about when we think about rehearsals, you're going to be doing during this time. Okay, at the end of week nine, you should know the whole thing. You should be able to play through everything. Now you have two more weeks before the performance, weeks 10 and 11. And all the movements are underneath your fingers, and you're going to use the next couple weeks to do run-throughs. You're going to run through entire movements, and you're going to run through the entire thing. 
Recording yourself is so helpful. And the next episode, I have a whole podcast just about recording, how to do it, where to put the recording device in the room, what kind of recording devices to use. So it takes the guesswork out of doing it. And also the most important part, how to listen back and make the recordings useful. In these last couple of weeks, you're going to be recording yourself, listening back, making any final adjustments. Okay, now you've done the read through, you've worked for eight weeks, you've done two weeks of polishing and run throughs and recording, and now you're at the performance week. By this time, if you follow the plan, everything should be fairly comfortable. And you have this last week, you still have a little bit of time to do any final adjustments and to clean any last things up. And then you can be sure that you step on stage and you've played everything several times. You know exactly how things are going to feel. Endurance-wise, you know you can play through the whole thing. And you should be able to just enjoy the music-making process. You don't have to be worried about that page turn that you've never done in real life or that repeat that you've never actually rehearsed. So that is the formula that I would use if I was learning a quartet in 12 weeks. And you can adjust this, of course, for your needs. And again, you can use the worksheet and fill that out as you need, whether it's one movement or whether you're learning three quartets. No matter how much time you have or how little time you have, you need to make some sort of schedule for yourselves. Now, there are some practical tips that I have when it comes to writing your goals down and figuring those out. And one of those is actually to physically write them out. And you can do this with your group and you can do it on a piece of paper. You could do it on a page in your music, the blank page when you first open up your music maybe. Or you can do it through text message or in the calendar, however your group communicates. You should write out your bland goals from week to week so that you know what to work on. So that at the end of one rehearsal, somebody should ask, okay, so what are we doing next time? What's the plan for next time? And then you figure out, okay, we're going to work on this movement or we're going to work on these transitions or whatever it may be. That way you can write it down. Everybody's on the same page so that when you show up to the next rehearsal, you will have had a week to prepare and know exactly what to work on. And rehearsals will go so much smoother. There's nothing more frustrating than spending a week practicing something on your own and then showing up to rehearsal and then rehearsing something else. So take the guesswork out of it and plan ahead of time and just know exactly what you're going to work on. The next thing that you should do is spend a little bit of time with your group talking about what your individual goals are for the upcoming event. So for for the concert, for example, talk about how you want to feel and what your goal is. Do you want to communicate in a special way with the audience? Do you want to play as a group and create a certain sound that is really memorable? Whatever it may be, talk to each other. And these can be different goals. You know, everyone should maybe have slightly different goals so you can focus on different things, but those are your own personal goals. The last tip I have for you is that after the concert, you should spend a little bit of time debriefing with your group. And this can be either right after the concert, if you have time to go out to dinner or grab a cup of coffee, or maybe it's a day or two later, but it's really important to just talk about how the performance went. This is usually more than just a five minute conversation. This is best if you have a little bit of time to just talk about the things that went well and the things that needed more work. And this is so important because then you know better how to tweak your upcoming goal setting and your upcoming performances. So if you are performing again as a group, then you know, okay, this worked really well, this didn't work really well. How can we address that in the rehearsals leading up to the next performance? And even if 
this was just a one-time thing with this ensemble, you can bring that experience to the next group that you play in or even to your own solo playing. So you know what needs more work, what takes more time to settle in before a performance. For my own group, like I said, we have eight quartets to learn and most of them are new. So it's a ton of music and we found out about this competition in November that we were invited to. And we had a performance in December that we had to get ready for. So we didn't have a lot of time to work on the new music. And then we were gone for Christmas break and we all got back together in January, kind of middle, late January. And so we've been just flying through this music. And one of the things that we've been doing that has been really helpful and also a little scary at the same time is we've been spending a lot of time doing mock performances. Some of these have been just for a couple people. Like just last week, we had a performance at school and we reserved the recital hall. It was a late night. I think we started at 8.30. And because we had reserved it as a recital on the school calendar, two people showed up. I had no idea who they are. And we apologized and said, you know, we just reserved the hall for a run through. You're welcome to stay and listen to us play through this. And it was great to have a little audience there and they enjoyed it. And then after we ran through, we actually did some rehearsing. And so they got to see how we rehearsed. And I think they probably enjoyed it more than a regular recital. But it was really helpful for us to have to play through things. We've also done a house concert a couple weeks ago. We played in Brooklyn at, at a friend's house. And there were, I think, maybe eight or ten people there. And they were crammed in the kitchen and we moved the furniture around and we all crammed in there. And it was a really great night, really intimate and really fun to share this music for the first time with these people. It was the first time that we had played these quartets. And so it was a great experience and also a different kind of pressure because they're sitting only 10 feet away or maybe even less. And so we had to be really careful about the sounds that we were producing and making sure that we were really together and that we weren't just playing loudly like sometimes I do on stage too much. So... Those are the things that we've been doing because when we show up to this competition, we have to be very, very prepared and very, very polished at a super high level. And it's different than just a performance because a live performance, I actually think there's a little bit more wiggle room and a little bit more grace in live performance. But when it comes to a competition, you really have to show up very prepared and ready to go and everything just has to be in place. So we've been planning out every single rehearsal. And we've been rehearsing three or four times a week, which is a lot. And we still have to figure out what are we going to do in this rehearsal? And at the end of every rehearsal, somebody says, okay, what are we doing next time? Okay, we're going to work on this quartet. We're going to work on this movement. We need to touch this tuning spot, whatever it may be. But it's always goal oriented. It's always for a coaching that we have coming up or for the performance at the end of the week. We've set for ourselves concerts almost every single week. And so it's very clear to us what needs to be done that week, because if we're performing these three quartets at the concert at the end of the week, then we know we have to get those sorted out during the week. Okay, I know I just flew through a lot of information, and I hope that was clear to you. Again, there's the worksheet that is very simple, and you can fill it out and use it for your group or for your students. Download it and print it out, pass it out as much as you want. I hope that's helpful to you. I hope now you have a framework for how to plan your next rehearsals, preparing for your next performance, and that you keep this in mind, that you need to plan practically so that you can be free musically. Get all the mundane stuff out of the way and make sure that you plan the rehearsals because the default 
at least for me and I know for a lot of people, is when you show up and you don't have a plan in place, I'm going to do what is most comfortable and what's easy. And when it comes to rehearsals and practicing, that will be the stuff that I already know and not the stuff that I need to learn. But if you plan ahead of time, we need to work on this because that needs the most work. Well, then it takes the guesswork out of it. You show up to rehearsal, you learn the hard stuff, you work on it, you polish it, and then you plan for the next rehearsal right away. So there's just this snowball effect. And once you get rolling, man, you're going to do great. So keep at it, keep rehearsing, set those goals. And I hope that next concert is really satisfying for you emotionally and musically and relationally too with your group. Thanks so much for listening to this first episode of Let's Quartet. I'm so excited to be on this podcast journey with you. And until next time, go practice.